Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan Wittalis, and your host here for this show, and I thank you all for spending some time here with me. And there's a lot to talk about today, some Packer news. Uh, Packers about to play the Ravens. They just beat the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football earlier this past week, and they play the Ravens tomorrow, 3.20 start, initially 12 o'clock start, but got moved to 3.20, and... It should be an interesting game one way or the other. Is Lamar Jackson going to play or is Lamar Jackson going to sit? Which if you look at Las Vegas right now, um, Packers six-point favorites on the road, I think Vegas is pretty positive he is not going to play. And I have reasons to mention on how I don't think it's a big – I don't think it matters much if Lamar Jackson plays or not, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, The Ravens are a team that they're going to run the offense um, the same way, one way or the other, um, with or without Lamar Jackson. And it's not going to be as explosive, but they're not going to lose a whole lot if he, uh, I'm sorry, they're going to lose a lot if he doesn't play, but they're not going to have to change their offense a whole lot, which is not typical when you have to go with your, your backup quarterback like the Packers had to do earlier this year. Um, so I'm going to talk that game. It is about time, Urban Meyer, what took you so long, Jacksonville? Urban Meyer is finally out of a job. Um, I honestly felt he should have lost his job weeks ago after the Cincinnati issue incident where he did not travel back with the team, and I'll talk about that a little bit and why it was a stupid hire to begin with and why hopefully Jacksonville learns um, from this and they they go with the safe move this time and i have who what i feel will be the safe move if jacksonville chooses to uh to do so and i i hope they do but we shall see um if they decide to go the safe route or if they try to go with another quote unquote sexy pick um but i have a guy in mind who i feel the uh, Jacksonville uh, football team, the Jaguars, should go after. And I'll explain that as well, as I think it's uh, it would be a good move to do after uh, what you just went through with Urban Meyer and Jacksonville. Um, Going to also talk to Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, what the Bucks have a, well, they almost had an interesting move at hand. Uh, interesting decision, I mean, to make at hand with Dante DiVincenzo, but now the Bucks are in some issue with COVID, and now they have to kick the can down the road on what this, interest, uh, this interesting decision is. And I think after his game yesterday, it's not that interesting of a decision anymore. It shouldn't be that difficult anyway. So with that said, I'm going to start with Urban Meyer. And very odd timeline of events for Urban Meyer. Um, he gets the job. He, uh, after getting the job, he hires the Iowa strength and conditioning coach to to join um, Jacksonville after he left Iowa in pretty disgraced faction. Um, probably not the best decision to make there, but you know he does anyways. So again, like I said, not a smart decision to make, but he did. Um, eventually 
he lets uh, or they agree to part ways after all hell broke loose because of it. Um, he then makes questionable roster decisions, such as bringing in Tim Tebow to play tight end and compete to be the starting tight end. And he was one of the first uh, first players cut when uh, cut down days came because he just wasn't cutting it. Um, so Tebow got cut. And then we have the Cincinnati um, issue, or the Ohio issue, the, the Jake Jaguars lose on Thursday night football to Cincinnati Bengals, and the team flies back to Jacksonville, and Urban Meyer stays behind and stays in Ohio and causes controversy. Um, he was at a bar where a young woman was uh, dancing on his lap, and the whole situation, it makes me think of there's a Simpsons episode with uh, <laughs> with Seymour Skinner, uh, and when Bart Simpson is working at the burlesque house, and it made me kind of think about that. And when Seymour told that Bart told people that Bart was working there, and this is his reaction on why he was there. That's true, but I was only in there to get directions on how to get away from there. And so I was only in there to get directions on how to get away from there, and that's kind of the vibe I got from Bourbon Meyer with the woman dancing on. It was like I didn't know she was dancing on me or whatever stupid excuse he gave. Urban Meyer should have been let go there, and he's a man that talks about being a man of integrity, a man of of faith, a man who uh, is a good family man who won't do anything to harm his family. But at the end of the day, he embarrassed the Jacksonville Jaguar team. He embarrassed his family. He embarrassed himself. And he should have been let go right then and there. And I don't know why the owner of Jacksonville decided that we're going to allow him to stay with this team and we're going to give him a chance to repair the damage that was done and go from there. And in reality, he didn't repair any damage that was done. He, he benched his uh, his stud running back and James Robinson, um, who was a, a, big, a big find, undrafted free agent find a year ago in the draft. He, he lets him go. Um, not lets him go, I'm sorry. He basically benches him and has to be convinced to put him back on the field. At, uh, at a post-game press conference uh, or midweek press conference, He's asked about the performance of a defensive player in the game on Sunday that didn't even play in the game, and he talked about how much of a difference maker he was. And then there's the story of him kicking the kicker. Urban Meyer embarrassed a team that's already embarrassing to even more extent, and he embarrassed himself too. I, I don't really know what else to say, except that Jacksonville should never have hired him to begin with. Jacksonville should have fired him weeks ago, and it took until a kicker came out and said and alleged that he got kicked by Urban Meyer for missing you know, field goals in practice for him to finally get let go with cause so Jacksonville doesn't have to pay him. Now, I think he will eventually get money from Jacksonville because there will be lawyers, and once the dust settles a little bit, um, Urban Meyer will get some of the remaining uh, money on his contract that's left, the four-year deal that he signed. And I had, I made the comment um, 
back when Urban Meyer got the job. And the comment I made was, bad teams stay bad for a reason. And I looked at that, and I looked at other coaching changes around the league, other quarterback decisions around the league, and I made the comment that bad teams stay bad for a reason. And this is an example of why, because Jacksonville wants to try to make the sexy hire um, with Urban Meyer. They, they hire the Doug Marone, who didn't work out. They hire, you know, like the hot shot coordinator. The, the question now is who should Jacksonville hire to be their head coach? And I got one guy in mind. And, yes, you can hire Nathaniel Hackett from Green Bay. He's been talked about. You can go after Brian Lefwich, your former quarterback, who is a riser in the coaching ranks as offensive mind in Tampa Bay. But the concern there is he's offensive coordinator with Tom Brady. So how much of an impact is he actually having with the offense? <clears throat> I think you're kind of having a uh, B-enemy type situation where people wonder how much of the Chiefs offense is B-enemy and how much of it's Andy Reid or, uh, and then Patrick Mahomes. And you kind of get the same way in, in Tampa Bay, how much of it's Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. And, I think Leftwich has the potential to be a really good coach at the NFL level, but there's one coach in mind who, if I am if I'm Jacksonville, I'm hiring. You know, you're gonna get him for a few years till you groom the next guy, and only 66 years old. But Jim Caldwell, I'm hiring Jim Caldwell to be my my head coach. He's got a lot of coaching experience. He uh, has been head coach at Wake Forest, quarterbacks coach at Penn State. Wide receivers coach at Louisville and Colorado, um, quarterbacks coach at Tampa Bay, head coach, assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach at Indianapolis, head coach in Indianapolis, quarterbacks coach, interim offensive coordinator in Jacks in Baltimore, uh, head coach in Detroit, assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach in Miami. He is a 62 and 50 career record in the NFL, two and four postseason. Um, he, he's a guy uh, he's a guy feel deserves another opportunity to be an NFL head coach. He had one losing season in Detroit. Um, in 2014 he got the head coaching job his first season they went 11 and five made the playoffs as a wild card what beat the Cowboys in the first round of, uh, they lost to the Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs 24-20 controversial fashion. Uh, after a one and seven start in the 2015 season, um, he won a uh, road game against Green Bay for the first time since 1991, and Detroit won six of their final eight games to finish seven and nine. In 2016, he went nine and seven, uh, lost to the Packers in Week 17 um, to not win the division, but they clinched the playoff berth, but lost in the first round of the playoffs to Seattle. And they won nine and seven again in 2017, and he uh, they missed the playoffs, and he ended up getting let go after going nine and seven in Detroit. And you look at the, he went 36 and 28 in Detroit, um, the first non-interim Lions coach to lead the team with a winning record since Joe Schmidt, who led the team from 67 to 72. His 563 winning percentage was also the best for a Lions head coach since Buddy Parker in the 1950s. To me, and he also interviewed for the Packers open head coaching job in December of 2018. To me, Jim Caldwell is is a guy you definitely consider bringing in to be 
year head coach. He went 14-2 and two his first year as coach of the Colts, and he ended up struggling at the tail end of his career in Indianapolis because they went 2-14 and 14 and he got let go, and they fell so hard for the fact that they had no secession plan in place for Peyton Manning, and when Peyton Manning missed the neck to undergo neck, uh, missed the season to undergo neck surgery, they literally had no no quarterback, and the team was not put together that well. A lot of guys left. Um, they it was just a bad spot. But I think he probably could have stuck around a little longer in Indianapolis, and they ended up hiring uh, Chuck Pagano, who didn't work out, and now they're on another coach. Um, since firing Caldwell. So to me, I, I bring in Jim Caldwell for the job. He's a steady hand. He's not going to embarrass the organization. The team, as you see in Detroit, they're going to play tough. They're going to play hard. And the only thing is, is he's 66, so you probably get him for two to th- you know two to three seasons. You need to have a succession place in mind um, for the team in order to um, – continue to to uh, build off of whatever he does as the coach. So that's who I hire. And obviously, as I mentioned, I know I criticized Leftwich not long ago. I think he's high on that list. I think Todd Bowles is uh, high on that list, the defensive coordinator at Tampa Bay. I think he's repaired his reputation enough to get another look as a head coach. It was just not a good situation. Um, it was just not a good situation for him in – um, in his team for various reasons. So, but yeah, but with that said, uh, got to move on to Milwaukee Bucks talk before I jump into, into some Packer talk. Um, and reason why I'm jumping to Bucks talk right now, because the Bucks do have a game and Cavaliers forward center, Evan Mo- Moby Mobley has entered the NBA's health and safety protocols today and will be out for tonight's game against Milwaukee. Further updates will be provided at an appropriate time. This was tweeted out by the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, shared on Twitter by Bailey Burmaster, who covers the uh, Cleveland market after covering, doing a great job covering uh, the Packers and other Wisconsin sports for a number of years before uh, jumping over to Cleveland uh, 19 News. So it... uh, and then, the, you know, Cleveland, the football team also having their issues as well. Kareem Hunt tested positive for COVID yesterday, and they have a number of players on the COVID roster, which means the game is now being played on Monday instead of uh, today, Saturday, December 18th. It's now being played on Monday night. And the reason why that's kind of a big deal is the fact that the Packers play the Browns a week from today on Christmas Day and with all the COVID breakout the Browns are having and continued positive tests, um, that's going to be worth watching um, if they are able to play that game or what kind of team the Browns might have if they're able to uh, excuse me, play that, that game. So, But anyways, back to the Bucs. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo it was set to come off the injured list uh, and rejoin the team on Wednesday of this past week. Unfortunately, though, he is in the team's health and safety protocols, and the conversation was going to be had, what do you do when he comes back? Do you keep Grayson Allen in the starting lineup, or do you put in um, 
or do you play uh, do you play uh, Dante in the starting lineup and put Grayson Allen off the bench once Dante is able to give significant minutes? And I think the easy answer, especially right now with how Grayson Allen played last night, and maybe it's recency bias, but second leading scorer for the Bucks, Grayson Allen, when the Heat when they needed it the most, stepped up to score 25 points for the Bucks. Uh, Drew Holiday with 40 and 44 minutes. Uh, Allen played 39 minutes, his most minutes of the season, to get 25 points. Jordan Nora Awara also played 42 minutes to score 14. The only other buck in double figures. Pat Connaughton struggled from the field to score nine. Um, expected a down game eventually from him. Cousins only playing 16 minutes to get nine points for the starter. Um, and then the bench contributed seven from Hill, two from Rodney Hood in 18 minutes, and six from Sandro Mamu. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce the full last name. Don't want to do him like that, but uh, the Bucks are definitely in trouble right now. There's a chance that Chris Middleton could play, which would move probably Pat C or Wara to the bench um, to strengthen that bench lineup a little bit more. But like I said, I think the discussion now is officially off the table on what do you do with Dante when he comes back. You keep Dante on the bench and have him be a spark off the bench. You know, he's a hustler, defender. He gets his hands in passing lanes. He times passes really well to get it to knock balls away, and he can. He's a guy that can attack the rim, and he was starting to get better from the field from a three-point shot perspective um, before his injury in the NBA playoffs, which has kept him out for this long. So that that's my thought. And if you have another thought, you're welcome to tweet at me at Evan with Sports, or you can email me talking sports with Evan at gmail.com. But now Packers talk. Um, so the Packers, if you want to recap before we jump into the preview, the Packers beat the Chicago Bears 45-30, to and in that game they had an entire season's worth of special teams blunders in one half of football. Not in one game, and I, I know they had a couple in the second half as well, but most of the special team blunders came in the first half. Um, they gave up a 97-yard punt return for touchdown. They gave up two longer runs that allowed points to score, giving the Bears short field. Uh, basically, the, pa- the, Packers, the Packers were down 27-21 at halftime, and you could point directly to 20 points of that the Bears scored were the result of shoddy special teams play. Um, the two long touchdown catch and runs that the Bears had, uh, Bird and Grant both had long catch and runs. Um, both those were in short fields due to bad special teams play and then bad tackling and pursuit um, on defense once that happened. And I was talking to some friends at halftime, and I put it out there on Twitter that if the Packers can even remote get even average special teams play in the second half, the defense should play significantly better because Justin Fields has not shown that he could consistently bring you the length of the field in a game. The second half, the Bears' starting field position was closer to the 25, uh, 26, 23-yard lines most of the time, and the Bears scored three points the entire second half, and Fields threw uh, two interceptions, including a pick six to Mr. Pick Six, uh, Rasheel Douglas, who... He must have a thing for the north end zone. Uh, two, two games in a row, he's taken an interception to the house 
um, into that corner of the north end zone where I was sitting when the Packers beat the Rams. So, But the Packers got the win. They have a lot of work to do on special teams. Um, A.J. Dillon, 15 carries for 71 yards. Great job controlling the ball. Rodgers completely dominated, especially in the second half, going 29 to 37 for 341 and four touchdowns. Devontae, 10 of 121 for two touchdowns. And I was really excited and happy to see Alan Lazard step up his game and show back up after a very shaky game against the Rams where he had a couple big drops, one in the end zone. He went 6 of 75 for one touchdown. And Josiah DeGara continuing to uh, show up in the box scores, three catches for 44 yards, and does a great job blocking as well. And then Mercedes Lewis, big dog, four catches for 51 yards. Aaron Jones, three for 30, and MVS, three for 20. So Rodgers did a pretty decent job spreading the ball around. Six guys with at least three catches. uh, Three guys with at least four. um, Did a good job spreading the ball around. Defensively, Devon uh, Campbell showed up after missing the – well, he didn't miss the Rams game. He – after the Rams game, got added to the COVID uh, reserve list due to testing positive for COVID. So he came back after missing a week of practice to get nine tackles, leading the team. Chris Barnes, after a shaky first half, played extremely well in the second half. Preston Smith had two sacks, both in the second half, one resulting in a fumble, which was recovered by uh, Rashawn Gary. And Preston Smith gave a big speech at halftime, telling the team that basically get your head out of your ass. And he backed it up. He talked to talk. He walked to walk, and he got two sacks. Sometimes you see guys talk to talk in the locker room, and then they get on the field, and they don't quite back it up. And he definitely backed it up. Kenny Clark dominated up front. Savage had some great good plays. Amos some good plays. Henry Black gave up a big catch and run. Um that I wish we could have back, and I wish Henry Black was not in that position personally, but he was, and he gave it up. So Packers beat the Bears again. Rodgers continuing to own the Bears again. And I do want to kind of I do want to kind of tip my hat to special teams. So the first half, an entire season's worth of blunders in the first half. They really clamped it down in the second half. And they did have a couple blunders with uh, Amari Rogers muffing a kick that they got back after uh, the Bears got penalized for a returner, I mean, a gunner running out of bounds. And MVS let a ball go through his hands that the Bears recovered on an onside kick. But positive, Amari Rogers averaged 14 yards a return on punts on two returns. And the two positive returns he had, he caught the ball securely and just got right up field. And both times he was right around the 14 yards. It's not like he had one big return and one short one. He he got double digits on both of those returns. So those are some positive things to take away and move forward into this game against Baltimore. And against Baltimore, not really sure what's going to happen. So the Packers will be without Kenny Clark, who is on – COVID protocol list, uh, he is out. Bakhtiari is out again. Um, your right tackle, he is out. Uh, Bi- uh, Billy Turner, he will miss the game. So I'm guessing Dennis Kelly will start at right tackle, who did extremely well against the Bears, subbing for him. 
and you will have, um, you know, and you'll have Yash Nyman continuing to man the left side of the line. Interior of the line likely stays the same with Runyon at left guard, Patrick at center, and Newman at right guard, who I was very critical of Newman earlier this year. He was definitely the weak link of this offensive line. And yes, I know the Bears, I mean, the Packers benefited with the Bears not having Hicks in the game. But Newman played a pretty solid game on Sunday. Um, I didn't really notice him out there too much, which is a good thing when you're an offensive lineman. Um, this game should ultimately be called the the IR Bowl, the Injured Reserve Bowl, as the Ravens have, who is supposed to be their starting running back this year on IR. Um, they're supposed to be their starting left tackle this year on IR. Uh, got two guys who are supposed to be their starting corners, Humphrey and Peters, both on IR. Um, I, I have their roster and their depth chart in front of me, which they run a base 3-4 defense. Um, three wide receiver, one tight end offense. I'm looking at their their roster, and it's a who's who of out and IR. Um, they're without their starting right tackle. They're without their starting left tackle to start the year. They're just a team that is not looking, um, not looking good. They on offense, Lamar Jackson's questionable, but. If I had to pick today if he was playing or not, I would say he's not for the fact that Vegas uh, line is still at six and fantasy football lines are projecting him at zero points. Uh, Marquise Brown is questionable. Uh, Patrick Ricard, their fullback, is questionable. Their left tackle, uh, Andrew uh, Villanueva, is questionable. His backup's questionable. His backup's out. Um, Their starting left guard is out. Their backup is questionable. Their center is supposed to play, but his backup is questionable. I mean, out. Um, Kevin Zettler, who you remember from Wisconsin, he's playing, but his backup's questionable. And you're starting right tackle and backup right tackle, and the backup to the backup are all questionable. Defensively, uh, Campbell is doubtful as of right now. Um, so, yeah, they are a team that has a lot of injuries, and it's and they're a physical team. They're a team that's really good against the run. Um, they're not good against the pass, so kind of similar to Green Bay in that regards for different reasons. Um, I'm, well, the Packers are opposite. I'm sorry. The Packers are really good against the pass, and they struggle at times against the run. So kind of, you know, flip-flop, you know, <laughs> with the Packers, kind of opposite where the Packers are. So this is – if Lamar Jackson plays, he's definitely going to be hindered. Um with an ankle, and he's been sacked a lot this season. And I expect the Packers to win this game. Uh, anytime you have Aaron Rodgers, anytime you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback and who is playing extremely high level right now, um, three games in a row where he has played at an extremely high level, the loss against the Vikings and the last two wins against the, the Rams and the Bears, he's played at extremely high level. And I don't expect that to change. The Packers, if they're smart, are going to go with the offense that works so well against the Bears where you get the ball out quickly, get it into Aaron Jones' hands, Devontae's hands, Degara's hands, uh, Lazard, and let them make plays with the football in their hands. Quick quick throws, short throws, because eventually that's going to open up the deep ball, which the Ravens struggle with too, with MVS if he's able to play. 
And like I said, I, I got the Packers winning this game with or without Lamar Jackson. The big thing, though, is if the quarterback is Tyler Huntley, he is a quarterback that can run too. Um, so you do have to respect his running ability, a 6'1", 196. He has passed for 528 yards this season with one touchdown and one interception. But as I mentioned, he's also a guy that can run the ball a little bit. And you got to be careful for that. Um with him potentially running the ball. He uh, had 45 yards rushing against the Browns, a long of 18, 40 yards rushing against the bank of uh, the Chicago Bears, long of 19, um, 10, 10 yards on three carries against the Chargers, a long of 12. He's a guy that can move around a little bit, so you got to respect that. The same with Lamar Jackson. Um, he's not as explosive as Lamar, but he's a guy that can uh, can extend drives with his feet. So you got to make sure you're taking that away from them. But Packers win. I think it's going to be a uh, a 14-point win if Lamar Jackson doesn't play, and I think it'll be a 10-point win if he does play. So with that said, thank you all for listening to this episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I will get back at you uh, later on uh, in the week to preview the Packers and the Browns and recap the Packers and the Ravens. Thank you so much. And, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, at Evan Sports, I'll get back at you later.